Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Pete. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's new? We just did something really cool. What's as we were geek- Before we came into the studio to record this, yeah. the, the, the rocket went off. Elon yeah. was sending another yes. ship to space. Yes. He said, I read somewhere that he's going to do 144 this year. He did 96 launches last year. That's more than one. That's like two a week. Yeah. I think China's like at 40. And Elon Musk did 96 last year. And, and NASA's we're at like four. Yeah. yeah, they're not that many. No. <laughs> but that was really cool. It was cool. So sending a rocket ship up to the space station, taking and, supplies. And, and the other day, we, we came over and we hung out at your house, and we watched one again that day. So and that was two days ago. Yeah. So there's two launches in, yeah. in 40, he, less than 48 hours. I think it says he's averaging 3.2 or 8 or something a week or a month. Or, or no. No, it's got it to be. 12, it was 12 something a month. Or yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Where That's a lot. Yeah, but rockets are fun. We take that for granted here in no, Florida. No, we are blessed. I mean, we live, both of us, we live like 40 miles from the Cape. Yep. So every rocket launch. I mean, unless it's really cloudy, we can see it. Yeah. And even if it's fun. at nighttime, even if it's cloudy at nighttime, we can still see it. Those so, are the best at night, too. It's like the yeah. sun is coming up. It is so bright. Yeah, it's like people always, you know, I don't, yeah. It's like we have the water close by. We... Sometimes we take that for granted. We have some of we have some of the prettiest sunsets in the world. Unbelievable. Yeah. We take those for granted a little bit. And then we have rockets all the time. And rockets, (laughs) the ocean, mountain range. No, we don't have the mountain range. (laughs) In California, we could say that. I do. We take that for granted. But we uh, we are blessed. And our winter lasts for 36 hours, things like that. So well, yeah, that's the other thing is people real people think of Florida, they think of, oh, it has horrible weather. No. We have maybe four months of horrible weather, but we have eight months of really good weather. Paradise. Yeah, really good. I mean, there's even four months could be argued. It could be three months Not of just bad. bad, you know, but it is humid and hot for a good three months, I would say, which is if you like that, maybe that's okay. Yeah, you go to the pool and the beach. Yeah. It's not as bad as they think. And I think the other reason is we're not landlocked here. So we don't have like mountains or um, we're not in their inner city. We have flow from the Atlantic to the, to the Gulf and back and forth. We have clean air. So it's constantly moving. And I think that helps with. Yeah. It's not hot like Atlanta hot or Dallas hot. Yeah. We don't have her. We don't have earthquakes here. We, Mm -hmm. if we have tornadoes, they're ones and they don't come that often. Um, but we do have hurricanes, but it happens once every other year, maybe, or yeah, not even that much. Or we had a couple of years where we got like bombarded, but yeah, we could, but you can go a decade without having one. Yeah. So, and you know, they're coming. Yeah. You have warning, not like and, tornadoes and earthquakes. You have and no you, warning. And people, you know, people always say all crazy people live in Florida. Well, that's true. I, I would say that's true in those <laughs> redneck areas, right? There's some of those everywhere, though, right? They're everywhere. There's crazy everywhere. everywhere. I've right. traveled a lot, and right. you traveled a lot. There's yeah. crazy everywhere. People. But there's also really good people there in is. Florida. So anyway. I haven't met them yet, but I'm sure they're there. Hey, Florida.com should I give us like, Florida. they should give us something because we just promoted Florida right here. So Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, we should call them. So, hey, you guys, we Riot Podcast sponsored by the Florida (laughs) Chamber of Commerce and Elon Musk. But uh, no, I mean, it's. Hey, if anybody knows Elon, send them a copy of the show. I think, I mean, I think the, the, in Italy, I think that 
that feel there is very similar in Italy than it is in Florida. Italy's, Maybe that's why I like it so much. like Florida. That's or the point. Peninsulas. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, they don't get hurricanes there, but they get really nice weather. The way the, the, the feel is there, the vibe. I love Italy, man. So if we want to give another props to another country, there you go. The boot. Florida is the Italy of North America. Yeah. But if you want to like the best weather. Without the mountains. Southern California has got to be up there. Oh, I mean, you're come homework. on. Yeah, you're. Hometown, Southern, Southern Cal- now. It's got to be the prettiest state, at least. There's I, no doubt about I that. I love California. Yeah. It is gorgeous. Yeah. So, anyways, and if you I, could get rid of the politics, it the, would be a the state I don't paradise. like. The state I don't like, and people can get mad at me, is Texas. I just don't like Texas. What? It's, What's wrong with you? The people are so nice. Are they though? Yeah, Texas is Look one of those places that you know. Man, I have lots of Texas peeps. I'm sure you do. I know. Your brother Dallas, the Dallas. Yeah, my brother lives there. Yeah, I know. There's lots of good people that live in Texas. I'm not saying there isn't. I just don't like it. It's an ugly state. That's just my opinion. Except yeah. for Austin part. There's there's some pretty parts there. River. Yeah. That's San pretty. Antonio. Yeah, like Travis. Waco. Yeah. You got the yeah. Brazos River. Yeah. Pretty. That part. Some parts. Waco pretty? Really? Come on. Some. Ask Chip and Joanna. Which I think of Waco. <laughs> That college, Baylor University, is awesome. Holy cow. Great churches there, too. I'm sure. I'm not. People, JP, he apologizes. Listen, forgive me, you Texans. I know that you love everything. <laughs> everything is bigger in Texas. If I had a in choice. Texas, did they succeed, succeed from the union? Not today? yet. Not yet? No. But they're trying to. <laughs> because they're protecting their own border? Yeah. That's oh some crazy goodness. stuff. We don't want to get into that today. No, it's a we'll go on year. A rabbit it's an election year. We can't talk about politics. We should though. Eventually. We will. You know we will. Yeah. There's no way we'll get through this year without doing it. Yeah. But uh so if you want us to talk about the election, you need yeah, let comment us know. on our Facebook page or our YouTube channel and let us know what you I mean, you gotta be specific though. What do you want us to talk about? Yeah. Do you want us to talk about Obama taking over for Biden? Yeah, you know, in the, in the, the prime, <clears> you know, at the, with that convention. Did he do that? Not he. I think Michelle? she. I think. Yeah. I think there's a very real possibility. There. Yeah. And then more. I mean, so honestly, than Gavin Newsom. Can, can you see Joe making another four years? No. No, I don't think. He's I don't know if he can president. make it through the year. I don't think he's going to be running. At the yeah, end. I know, yeah. but no, I don't know. No. We should do a show just on that. Yeah. And we that way will force us to do some research, but because I don't yeah. know what would happen. He's got I me. Mean, well, he's really. The, he's going to get all the delegates in the primaries. So no. what would have to happen? It'd have to be something at the convention. Right? So so everybody knows regarding politics, we support the politics that God is 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 in control over. Which is all of them. <laughs> Which is the whole thing. <laughs> He's the king of kings and lord of lords. There's nothing out there that he does not know is happening. That's that's our view on politics. Yeah. I and, just pray that our leaders seek his wisdom. Yeah happens and, and i believe that he uses every party i believe that god is using the democrat party as much as the republican party and in the way that i see my god working is that he's working all things together it, he has a plan he has a perfect uh, perfect will and he's going a certain direction he knows the next steps and he's taking everything that's happening and he's working it together nothing surprises him no we think that oh my gosh we have so much control oh come on Ultimately, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Now, are we supposed Where does to it say that in the Bible? Oh, <laughs> it's as many parts actually. Um, the biggest part is in that Revelations 
21. I wasn't, try, I wasn't yeah. trying to put you on the spot. Anyway, I was being trying to be funny. No, it was funny. But we ultimately need to, uh, I don't know what I was going to say now, but yes, politics, uh, we got to talk about it. Yeah. And we're going to give, we'll give our perspective from what we think God would see it, Elias, but. We need to be on God's side. God's not on them. Yeah. He's certainly not a aligned to a political party. I, I just think the world, or at least the United States, but it's for the world too. I think we just make, we way overly get involved in a way that's unhealthy. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying it is fact, but I just say that I think we get overly upset, obsessed with politics. And then, and the reason why I say that is when you start bashing people and you have these uh, very bitter, yucky, you know, I don't know. It's just ugly. I hate it. Anyways, I follow a lot of people on X that or yeah. Twitter or whatever that are politicians. Yeah. It's not building people up no. or glorifying God. Then no. uh, it's probably not uh, right. No, it's very donkey-like. Very. Well, not in a politician <laughs> way. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't in a politician way. You didn't say very elephant-like. No, but that doesn't make any sense. It's not in context. <laughs> Let's right. get ourselves out of trouble now. Did there. All right, let's pray. <laughs> Open up the show. Um, because we need we need we your need help, Lord. Amen. Oh, dear God, you are great, and uh, we do know that you are in control. And uh, as we go through this political season, in at least here in America, I know we have listeners all over the world, Lord. Uh, I just pray that uh, our leaders, that are as voters, as as people uh, taking part in the democracy of the process of the democracy. Um, I pray that we would all just seek your will, Father, that we would ask you how we should vote, how we should uh, look at things, and most of all, that we would just trust you. So, Lord, we give you this podcast now. Um, speak through Pete and I, and uh, just, I just pray that our words would glorify you and glorify our listeners. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, talking about Texas, I have family that lives in Texas, so my my wife's family and everybody lives there. Not bashing on it. You know, I was just saying, from my opinion, what I want to live there, that was it. So, you know, I don't want to get all this hate oh, and hell okay. because That's people different. are, yeah. It wouldn't be your pick to live. If I were to live there? Yeah. It would have to be Lake Travis area. I don't know. I, we've been through, I've been through every ounce of Texas pretty much. West Texas, up to North, to South. We've just traveled it a lot. And there's only one area that I really like. And that was, that was Lake Travis. That's okay. Been, yeah. So anyway, so that's own. just my opinion. Yeah. You know, there's nothing, I didn't need to write about the people. There's a lot of good people. A lot of good. All right. I had to make sure I put that disclaimer in because yep. I'm going to get hate mail now. You're still going to get hate mail because yeah. they're going to have turned it off already. Oh, I'm they're sorry, They're not going to hear your disclaimer. Yes, that's Maybe why... we could cut the disclaimer and put it in the front. No, we can't. You're about to hear Pete bash no. on Texas. No, no. Please continue watching. But here's the thing. We're real people and we talk real thoughts. And sometimes we give our opinions that might not be right or it might be right. And so we just had to clarify. And so yeah. I just wanted to humble myself to and everybody sometimes listening. Sometimes we just, we make mistakes. We rebel against God and then we pay the consequences. That's, hey, the title of, that's our title today. How about that? What happens if you rebel against God? What a quinkadink. I don't know. Tell me, Bob, what happens if you rebel against God? Anything uh, good? Things will not go well for you. No, you have to get, you have to live in Texas, probably. <laughs> Is that why I had to move to Texas? <laughs> I thought it was so I could go get my little girl. Oh, I, I that was, that, I think that's, you know, why that's why I moved, moved Texas, this to Texas is, is special for you for that I reason. Did. I moved there for three years. I've yeah. got a little girl. That's it. it. It's amazing. So maybe that's why I have a special place in my heart. Yeah, but didn't I, you come back to Orlando and find this baby? Didn't you come back to Orlando and find a really good doctor though that can get you through it? Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. It was all ordained. Yeah, God had His hand in every bit of it. 
I think we that settled would be it. A, that would be a podcast all in itself just I, to tell Sammy's story. I think we settled that Texas is the best state of all. <laughs> all right. We got it out. <laughs> All right. We mentioned in a previous show on Gen- on Genesis 15 that God gave the wicked people 400 years to repent before he wiped them out. I mean, he wipes them out too, Pete. I mean, don't, don't mess with God. No. We didn't go into details about the, that claim, and many were left wondering. Who was left wondering? Well, it's Our like, listeners were left if, wondering? It's like, you know, when you ask, when you, someone makes a statement, but we don't go into context because we didn't have time on that show. It's like, what do you mean God went and wiped out women, children, and men, and everything else? Have you ever had people ask you, like, how could a loving God wipe out? uh, All the time. (laughs) And it goes back to this part. And it goes back to this. And so I thought, hey, you know what? Let's talk about it. Because that's a big deal. So let's let's talk about it. All right, let me give you some context. Yeah. So Genesis 15, 13 through 16 in the NIV says this. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own. So this is God talking Egypt. to Abraham, right? And he's yep. given him a prophecy. So let's just get the prophecy. Context. He's yeah. prophesizing. Yes. And that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possession. Okay, that's Egypt he's talking about. Coming out of the yeah. Yep. You, however... We'll go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. 167 years old, I think he was. All right. Yeah. yeah. Talking about Abraham? Yep. Okay. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. Where's here? The land of Canaan. The land, the promised land, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. That's the interesting verse Ooh. right there. Okay. So that's the verse that we get this context. It's that last one. All right. Go on. All right. So God, here, God is foretelling... Yeah. The period of the Israelites' captivity in Egypt, which was which was to last four hundred years. Yeah, so this is before Moses. He's prophesying that hey, that's going to happen. They're going to live in Egypt. Remember, we have Joseph and yeah, and all that. And then they we were haven't there. got to that yet. No, in, we'll in Genesis, get there. But man, oh, that's a great story. Yeah. All right. This passage is sometimes interpreted to mean that God was giving the Amorites, who were one of the peoples inhabiting the land that would later be given to the Israelites, time to repent as their sin has not yet reached its full measure. This can be understood as God exercising patience, providing an extended period during which the Amorites could potentially turn from their wicked ways before his judgment would fall upon them when the Israelites would return and take possession of the land. So it's not, so people have to understand context the way that God works. God doesn't, does not, God will make himself known to every person, okay? So every person, I mean, Paul goes into it and says, if you look at the the creation itself, you should know that there's a God, right? Right. I mean, if there's a design, there's a designer. If there's a creation, there's a creator, right? You should automatically know that. So it's not that God hasn't made himself known. He does. He makes himself known. Every person in this planet, God some way, somehow is going to reveal himself to them. What about the pygmies and in 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 whatever, right? I mean, how is he going to do that? Well, God will. I don't know. God's going to make Himself known. He's going to give the person an opportunity to know who He's God. He can use an angel. He can use. I mean, how many times? I mean, the Bible says that you never know if we can entertain an angel, right? Uh, That can be a person, anybody. Any. We always know that God is at work, so He can use angels. He can use people. Whatever it is, He's going to give the people an opportunity. Um. And the Amorites consider what they're the way that this is in context is it sounds like 
that, you know, when it says has not yet reached its full measure in context, it's saying that they, they, they're still in rebellion right now. And so when it's saying it hasn't reached its full measure, if they're in rebellion, that means that they've had an opportunity. They're having an opportunity to repent, but they haven't. And he's still given them more time and hasn't reached its full measure. Do you see that? Do you see the context in that? So it's not like, um, you know, he wouldn't have said it like that. He would have just said they're they're in they're in complete sin. But it's not saying that. It's saying they haven't reached their full measure. What does that mean? That means that they're they're in rebellion. Well, if they're in rebellion and they haven't reached their full measure, full measure of what? Of repenting? Of it hasn't been time. I'm still giving them time. And there was 400 years. So it's not like you're saying they haven't sinned enough, right? <laughs> just said, they haven't had an opportunity to repent. Is that yeah? What's... And so it's it was God was telling them to repent and maybe to move out, maybe to get out of the land because that's His land, or that they're going to have to work with them or something. You know, we don't know the whole context. We just know what the Bible says here. But here's the bottom line: God did not go in and just kill women, children, and men uh, without giving them an ample understanding to repent. And the same thing goes with us. It's not, he's not going to send you to hell because he did not give you an ample opportunity to repent and give your life to him. He, he, he's patient with you. And, and that's the reason, but in first Peter, it says that the reason why men, he hasn't come back yet is because he's been long suffering. He's been patient. He's waiting for you to give your life to the Lord. Same thing with us. So, if there's someone that's listening to this and haven't given their life to the Lord, he God is reminding you again through this podcast and through other things, it's time to repent and give your life to the Lord. It's time. Do not, do not get to what this says, where this has not yet reached its full measure. Do not get that point in your life. <laughs> because there's going to come a time when you are going, every knee will bow, every tongue confess before the Lord, and you will have to give account for your life. And if that measure comes, you're going to live in eternity in hell for all eternity. Or you can live in heaven for all eternity. That's the option the Bible gives us. Hmm. I believe it. I'm living it. Oh, you can believe it or not believe it, but that's your choice. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on. Let's give some context again before we start uh, the rest of the discussion. In Genesis 15, God confirms his unconditional covenant with Abram. God promises Abram a multitude of descendants who will inherit the land in which Abram sojourns. God then gives Abram a brief timeline of future events. Know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Again, that was Genesis 15, 13. And then in the fourth generation of your descendants, they will come back here. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet been reached in its full measure. We just said, yeah. Verse 16. So God wiped out a whole nation of people because they did not repent of their sins, but gave them 400 years to do so. Is that what we're saying yeah, here, Pete? Is exactly. And, and we just kind of gave that context, but let's let's put it this way. Did God foreknow that that's what's going to happen? He knew. So he's given the prophecy 400 years. He knew that ultimately they were not going to repent. He knew that. It's just like with us. He knows whose are his. The Bible says in John 17, I know who are mine. I have not lost one and I know who are not. So that's called the, that's the election part, right? That's the predestination part where he already knows ahead of time. God knows that. Um, and so, but does it mean that God doesn't continue to pursue it? For God so loved the whole world. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love the whole world. 
It doesn't mean that he wants us to not share God's love with other people and to give them an opportunity to give their life to the Lord. He never says that. Mm. He wants us to continue to pursue. The Bible says, how would they not know? How would they know unless they're told? Well, we need to tell them. We need to share with them the love of God. The problem with many Christians, though, is the hypocrisy in their life. They go live like hell throughout the week, and then they get to the person, and they're legalist, and they're condemning other people because they're not doing right, and they just have a big black eye or a big plank in their own eye, and they look stupid. And, and, and what happens is we don't show really the love of Christ. If we really showed people the love of Christ, how he's totally transformed my life and your life, then it would be different. We would, when we speak to people, there would be an, a, a gentleness, a kindness, a love, a realness out of that. And we wouldn't give God a black eye. We wouldn't misrepresent him for his children. And so I have no idea why I said that, but it all made sense to me. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think part, let me back up a little bit. So yeah. one of the things I think is confusing for a lot of people is this whole, well, if God knew they weren't going to repent, it was going to destroy him anyway, what difference does it make again right. in 400 years? Yeah. And I think the part that we can't fathom as humans is that God created time. Yes. So he's not trapped in time. Yeah. He's outside of time. Right. So he, he's all-knowing, all-powerful. He, yeah. he already he knows He sees everything that the same at once. That doesn't mean that you yeah. don't have a choice. Yeah. It's just that he's already outside of time and sees it. And I can't really wrap my mind around that. Yeah. And neither could the prophets when they were seeing that. So when they were caught up and they saw this, they were seeing like these, like in the end times, in Ezekiel and so forth, they were seeing like these helicopters and they were seeing all these military things. And their minds like, I've never seen that before. How do I even describe that? Well, right? right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so they're doing their best, but they can, you, they see time differently. Mm. And, and that's the same with God. He sees it differently. He already knows ahead of time. But again, this is future prophecy that Abraham does not fully understand. So Abraham is hearing God telling this. He's like, Okay, uh, I don't understand, but okay. And then the prophecies of Genesis 15 deal with these basic events. Abraham would have many descendants. Those descendants would one day be taken captive and treated harshly in Egypt. We know that's true by the story of Moses and, and that whole that whole er, er, um, exodus. After 400 years, Abraham's descendants would return to Canaan, Israel. Their return would coincide with God's judgment on the Amorites in Canaan or Israel area. God would protect his own, and he will wipe out rebellion one day against him. It could be in our lifetime or the next. God's perfect will will be done. So we just know that God cannot associate with sin. Okay, He cannot associate with rebellion. He will deal with it. Some way, somehow, he's going to deal with it. In this case, he wiped them out. He completely changed their whole dynamics of their their heritage and their people, the Jebusites, Hebesites, Jebusites, Jebusites, all, all those sites. Ites. Yeah. All the ites. Yeah. So he changed it all. And, and so that's what happened. And it's not because he's a bad God. He gave them time. It's not that he's a bad God. But if you do not repent of your sins, you're going to face the consequences of the judgment because you're in rebellion. The Bible says for the Christian, it's the apostate, the apostate man mind. It's a rebellion. It's a, you know, you're living in the world, but you're saying you still claim to be God. He's going to tell you, he's going to spoo you out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Revelations three is very clear. You're either hot or you're either cold, either be in between. It's not going to work for him. All right. All right. Moving on to number two. These prophecies were fulfilled when after Joseph's death, Pharaoh enslaved the Israelites who were living in, e I can't wait to go through that, the Joseph story. That's gonna be so much fun. We were living in e or living in Egypt at the time. And then 400 years after Joseph, Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt to the borders of Canaan. 
Joshua then led the people into Canaan and conquered the land. Joshua's conquest took place only after the sin of the Canaanites had reached its full measure. Because That's God's timing is always perfect. Yeah, again, so it's like, you know, it's like the final 40 years, God knew that the Israelites were going to rebel against him even in that. So he had to wipe them out too. So he waited to the next generation before he went in. Um, God just wants total surrender. He just wants you to completely understand that he created you and he created you for him and to worship him and to serve him and to live for him. If you can't accept that, you're in rebellion. That's it. That's the bottom line. And so the Israelites were in rebellion then before 40 years. And finally, God says, all right, it's time, right? It's time. My perfect will is going to be done now. Let's move forward. And now it's time to conquer the land. And they were outnumbered. They were, you know, completely, they would have, they should have lost. They were giants. I mean, all of these things were against them, but it's, but God, right? If God is for you, nothing can be against you. And that's what took place. So only he knows the time. We must trust him with everything and be surrendered to him. We don't want to be on the wrong side of the tracks if God decides to punish any rebellion. Amen. That's the bottom line. One thing Genesis 15, 16 shows us is certainly of God's judgment on the wicked. The Amorites and our other Canaanites were exceedingly wicked, the Bible says. And so it's it's look at our world today. Is Do you see exceedingly wickedness? Yeah. Yeah. God is going to deal with that. You just see a mocking of God so many places. A lot of times you think that they're winning. It looks like they're winning, like mm -hmm. the wicked are winning. And they're going to, listen, you, rest assured, God will deal with it. And, and it will happen, maybe in our lifetime, maybe in the next lifetime. But I promise you, God will not put up with rebellion and right. wickedness. So. The practices listed in Leviticus 18 were part of why God was judging the nations in Canaan and commanding the Israelites to not do these things. The chapter concludes with a warning that the land would vomit out its inhabitants because they defiled it with such practices. Yeah, so it reminds me of like, I mean, Jesus talks about vomit a lot, or like we just talked about Revelation 3. So either for me or against me, in between, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. So he's, vomit to him, he's like, he's done with you. You know, it's gone. It's gross. It's, it's, it's smelly. It's yucky. He's done with it. But let's just give, let's read this. So let's read Leviticus 18, 24 through 28, the nearly inspired version. That's what NIV means. <laughs> and and let's um, let's just kind of give context of where this prophecy was coming from. Okay. So, all right. Do not defile yourself in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you become defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native born and the foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things. For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, I will vomit you out as vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. That sounds like a pretty stern warning. Yeah, Pete. very. Sins of the Amorites in a phrase that can be seen in, uh, as encompassing these and other violations of God's commandments, leading to their eventual judgment as part of the broader narrative of the conquest of Canaan in the Bible. Yeah, if God is wiping something out, if he's wiping out a rebellion, if he's wiping out a person, if he's, um, you know, his perfect will is coming in, it's not without the, him giving you an opportunity. It's not without him, you know, 
asking you to repent, or it's not without you knowing you willfully have chosen to rebel against him. You know, if someone says, well, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Well, that's rebellion, right? You know, it's wrong and you rebel anyway. It, and that's a lot of times with the world's way, right? The world law or world system or, or how they feel their opinions. But in God's way, God's system is completely different. God says there's only one and true and living God. And if you say that there is no God, that is complete rebellion. So you have had the choice to say, I do not choose that. So that is a desperately wicked person. If you're choosing your own thoughts, your own your own feelings, your own whatever, and it's converse, it's different than what the Bible says, you are actively in rebellion because you have been given a choice. What is right? What is wrong? God put that even in our DNA. It's like even in our DNA, you don't have to tell a child not to do something. Or, or to not sin. They just know automatically, that's mine, will, I want, I want, whatever it is. But it, they have to be learned. It's in our DNA to know the difference. Okay, that's good. Yes, that's good. They get it. Oh, that's bad. They get it, right? It's just, it's part of us. So God built us that way. But during the time of Moses, God gave the reasons for the Canaanites' downfall. The land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited it out of the inhabitants. So God had predicted this all the way back in Abraham's time. The Amorites were wicked, and the bottom line is judgment day was coming. And it's the same thing with all of us. I, we're not trying to be doom and gloom on this show, but we are righteous invasion of truth. And we're going to share this truth. If you are in active rebellion against God, God will correct you. And if you continue down in this rebellion, there will come a day that you will be taken from this earth and that you will have to face the consequences of eternal damnation and separation from God. That is the bottom line. That is what happened to the Amorites and God's perfect people went in. He's not saying you're going to be perfect. He's not going to say that. He's just saying you need to believe and surrender your life to God. You need to believe that he is the one and not live one world, one foot in the world and one foot, one foot for God, because he's going to vomit you out of their mouth. That's what he's saying. Hmm. So anyway, context. All right. So at the same time, Genesis 15, 16 demonstrates God's love his mercy, and above all, his long-suffering and patience with sinful man. Rather than immediately wipe out the Amorites, God chose to wait for over 400 years to bring judgment upon them. The enemies of God would be displaced as God settled his chosen people in that land that he had promised to them. Yeah, it's it's so God looked upon the whole face of the earth and he chose the center of the earth. I mean, if you look at where Israel is and you blow up the map, it's this speck right in the middle of the whole planet, right? And so that's what God says, I'm going to rule from there. One day God is going to come back and he's going to rule for a thousand years here on earth and a new heaven, a new earth, and he's going to do that. But before that day, okay, he's he's long suffering, he's waiting, he's given people ample opportunities to give their life to the Lord. He's not saying, hey, I'm going to condemn you right away. I'm giving you a choice. Same thing with the Amorites. I, he already knows the end. He already knows who are his. He already knows who's going to accept the Lord and who's not. Um, and he knows who's going to be left behind, per se. You know, I believe in the rapture and so forth. But one day he's going to come back. And, and you don't want to be left on the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, God's enemies did not need to remain enemies. They could have rebelled. You could you could repent right now. They could stop rebelling. You don't need to be his enemy anymore. They were given ample time to turn from their wickedness, turn to God and to be forgiven. The Amorites had a chance to repent and be saved, just as the Syrians and Nineveh mm. did during the time of Jonah, just like we do in our time. So Nineveh got it. Remember what happened? Right. Jonah went away and Jonah comes in and says, you need to repent or you're going to die. And they're like, oh, okay, we're going to repent. And they believed it. Well, the Amorites didn't. 
He, you know, I'm sure he sent prophets or he sent other people or there was something that was happened. They did not. God's probably sent many people into your life. Maybe you were flipping through the channel and you saw Billy Graham or one of these pastors and you stopped for a second and listened. Oh, I don't believe that. Or maybe you were on the radio station and you're going, you heard some sort of worship song or something as you were going through. I don't know. There's many opportunities, no matter where you're at in the world, there's going to be many opportunities, especially in today's world with technology, the way it is that you're going to have an opportunity to give your life to the Lord or not. Right. And maybe hearing this podcast. Yeah, could be it. The Amorites' sin had not escaped God's notice. He kept track of the measures of their sin, and during Abraham, and during Abraham's time, it was not yet full. So the Amorites were warned that judgment was coming. It is sad that they did not take advantage of their time of grace. They wasted their 400 years and continued to fill up the measure of their sin. Like most other pagan nations that Israel later encountered, the Amorites stubbornly continued in their sin until judgment mm. finally befell them in God's own time. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you brought up Nineveh. That that's yeah. that's a great example. Yeah, They're like they, I, you know, I think uh, Jonah was sitting there waiting to watch the destruction, but they repented. Yep, and uh, that's so, good context. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, but because of the Amorites finally filled up the measure of their sin, God brought Joshua and the children of Israel against them. God's command was for the Israelites to completely destroy them, the Hittites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Pezzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, as the Lord our God has commanded you. We find that in Deuteronomy 20.17. The Amorites fought back, but God destroyed them before Israel and gave them the Amorites' land. Joshua 24.8 says that. So the conquest of Canaan served the dual purpose of punishing the Amorites for this, their sin and giving the Israelites a land of their own. So that goes, again, back to God working all things together for good. We don't know what's going on in the world today. We talked about politics. We talked about all this stuff. We don't know. We just know that God's perfect will is being done. He is working it all out. He will, rebellion will not stand. He will always win. And, and no matter what, it's going to turn out the way that he wants it according to his time. We just don't want to be on the wrong side of the track. We just don't want to be in the, in the, when he comes, when he starts making change, you do not want to be left behind. You do not want to be in a rebellious state of mind. So, Well, this, uh, this is a powerful point. So a similar fate as befell the unrepentant Amorites awaits those who rebel against God even today and reject his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, all of us are sinners. See Romans 3.23. And we have been warned that judgment is coming. Judgment day is promised. But until that time, we have a chance to repent and be saved. God in his love, mercy, and patience waits, withholding judgment to give us all a chance to believe and be reconciled to him. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone come to repentance. See Second uh, Peter 3, 9. I, I mean, we dare not make the same mistake as the Amorites and spurn God's grace. This has been the context of this show. Jesus said, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, Jesus being the owner, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. Mm. Sir, open the door for us, you will say, but he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and we taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Mm. Jesus said that in Luke 13, and he's talking to people that are going to church. 
That's what he's saying. We did all of this in your name. We gave tithes and we did all this. And we, he's saying, I don't know you. Don't be those people. As, we, as was the case in Abraham's day, we know that God's judgment is coming. Unlike Abraham, we don't have a timeline to give us an idea of when that day will be. All we know is that God's judgment has not yet fallen, which means that God is patient and the sins of modern nations have not yet reached the full measure. So everything that we see today, there's going to come a time where that full measure will take place and God's going to say enough. So make good use of this time of favor and blessing. Repent, trust in Jesus, and be saved. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Amen. Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. And with that, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, and God convicted you, the Holy Spirit convicted you today, you can give your life right now. And you just have to say, God, forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I choose today to live for you the rest of my life. Choose to believe that you are God, that you are the Messiah, that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day. And I, and I give my life to you now in Jesus' name. And if you, if you prayed that, if you said that honestly in your heart and you cried out to God and said, God, I'm done doing it my way. I don't want to be on the wrong side of the track. I don't want to rebel against you any longer. I want to worship you and serve you. And you can. And the Bible says, go and tell somebody. Go and confess before man that he is God. And the Bible says that if you do that, then he's going to confess you before, uh, man, uh, before God uh, in heaven. But if you deny him, if you continue to deny him, he says he's going to deny you. And you're going to be on the wrong side of the track. And when the time comes, you will be living in hell for all eternity. But if you made that choice and you really made that choice, today the Bible says that all the angels in heaven are rejoicing with you. They're happy and excited. And we rejoice with you. And we would love to hear from you. Bob, how could they get a hold of us? Great question, Pete. They can go to our website, theriotpodcast.com. They can also go to uh, any of our social media sites, Facebook, X, um, or even our YouTube channel. And you can just place your comments there. Reach out to us. We would love, love to hear from you. And uh, man, what a just a, a great message there, Pete. And uh, yeah, I'm got to, I'm picturing those people knocking on the door and Jesus saying, you know, that He doesn't know them. I mean, what a, it's it just makes an eternal difference. Um, the difference between knowing who Jesus is and actually knowing Jesus, just knowing about Him, isn't enough. You have to have a relationship with Him. So, yeah, I, I'm so glad you shared that. Yeah, and it's and again, it's like we don't try to be a doom and gloom, right? But there comes a time, and especially in the messages, sometimes these type of messages need to be said. And and we have to, you know, the questions are always asked, well, if God's such a good God, why is he doing this? Well, you're looking at it completely wrong. He is a good God, and he has been long-suffering with you for so long. It's you that's rebellion. It's not God. It's you that's running away from him. It's your choices. That's what's happening. And, and people just can't see that. They're so blinded by that. Yeah. And so this type of message that we shared today is kind of a reality check. It's like, hey, this is, the, this is the God we serve. This is the reality. He will wipe out a rebellion, and he will wipe you out. And it's the bottom line. So We stepped away from him. He didn't step away from us. Completely true. And then he created a bridge back. Yep. He's such a loving God, but he's also a just and holy God. Yep. And he cannot be associated with sin. That's it. All right, guys, we love you. Till next week. Be Have blessed. Have an amazing week. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, 
please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.